The Persistent and Nasty podcast is a series of interviews and informal discussions with inspiring women and other marginalised voices in theatre, film and beyond. From actors to activists, we aim to amplify these voices and invite the world to stay nasty. Hello you gorgeous lot and welcome to the Persistent and Nasty podcast at the Edinburgh Festival Fringe 2022. Today is episode number two of the series and Louise chats with the brilliant Isla Cowan about her new show She-Wolf. All details for the show where you can get tickets, follow all the social media are in the show notes of today's episode. There was a few hiccups with the old Zoom as Louise was recording this, but I think I have managed to put it all together for you. As we're doing festival episodes, the introductions will be really short. I'm not me waffling on as usual, nice and quick. Um, Good luck to everyone starting at the festival today, tomorrow, next week, middle of August. It is brilliant to be back. Um, doesn't feel like it's been since 2019 since we were last here but it is Um, we can't wait to see you all and chat to as many of you as possible remember to follow us on all social media twitter at persistent nasty instagram at persistent and nasty facebook persistent and nasty send us an email to persistent and nasty at gmail.com especially if you would like to be involved and included in the edinburgh festival fringe 2022 podcast series you can follow Louise and I on social media as well if you so wish. Louise is at Ms. Louise Oliver on both Twitter and Instagram and I am at Elaine Stirrett on Twitter and at Elaine.Stirrett on Instagram. I say for today's episode, have whatever you need. Like we're going into the festival so maybe it's a wee baraka that you're needing. Um, but as always, a good old cup of tea will do. Just fine. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. Well, hello, Isla Cowan. Welcome to the Persistent and Nasty podcast. Thank you very much for having me. Oh, pleasure. It's absolutely delightful to have you. Um, how are you feeling today? Are you feeling good? Yeah, I'm feeling good. Yeah, I'm good. I'm, I'm kind of recovering from a bout of COVID, so I'm kind of um, a little lethargic, a little sleepy, maybe a little bit husky in my voice, but I'm hoping that comes across as sexy and alluring. <laughs> Um, but uh, but apart from that I'm doing good yes how are you I'm very well thank you I'm sorry that you're um going through the COVID the COVID experience at the moment it's not fun um uh particularly in this moment in time when you're preparing to go to the fringe but I suppose it's good to get it out of the way if that's some form of consolation I don't know I um I saw an announcement today actually um from I think it was the Ed Fringe Twitter account saying three weeks to go until the fringe and I have this kind of moment of panic (laughs) going will I be well um but I think I I think I will be and um and yeah the upside is that hopefully I'm at like peak immunity (laughs) at the start of the fringe um, so that gives me like a kind of barrier of resistance of some sort. Oh, here's hoping. I feel like it's it's one of those uh, stealthy, villainous viruses in the sense that it just keeps mutating and changing and like coming up with new ways to fuck with us, basically. Uh, so like you've had you've had two different variations of it, but now here's a new one. Here's a third one. See how you get on with that. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> 
Um, I had a funny conversation with a friend actually uh, yesterday, last night at the theatre because we were in, uh, in to see a show and it was sold out, it was very busy. And I was just having that kind of like, what do I do? Do I put my mask on? No one else has got their mask on. So I feel like if I put my mask on, it doesn't really matter because there's a whole room of people without masks on. And I just don't know anymore and I'm so confused. Yeah, I think the I think the mask etiquette is is difficult. Um yeah, yeah I'm definitely uh more more of a masker, more kind of cautious uh, around COVID and have been for the last couple of years. Um but yeah, it is difficult on those settings, especially when you're kind of eating and drinking as well, you know, kind of I, I put my mask on to go and sit in the theatre, but then I take it off and come out and have a drink in the bar. <laughs> it's no, kind of like, like well. Um, yeah like I feel like Covid doesn't care if you're in the bar or not but yeah it's just one of those things I I think we're all just a bit confused but enough about Covid hate Covid enough of her she's so rude (laughs) let's not talk about her Uh, let's talk about you Um, and your work and the exciting show that you've got coming up at the festival um, I guess it's good to start at the beginning um, for some of our listeners who might not know who you are it would be great if you could give us a wee snapshot of you and your career and the kind of work you make and why. What have you been up to your whole life? Tell us about you. <laughs> my whole life, okay. Whole life. Um, yeah, so um, uh, my name is Isla Cowan and I'm a playwright uh, and theatre maker uh, from Edinburgh. Um, I, I grew up in Edinburgh as well. Um, I grew up in a, um, a kind of a, a low-income single parent household um, and then from there uh, I went on to study English literature at Cambridge University which was a huge culture shock <laughs> and um, a very different place to be for a few years um, and after that I came back to Scotland and did a master's in playwriting at St Andrews University um, where I was taught by the amazing um, Zinni Harris who I know has been on the show um, and Oliver Emanuel as well um, and and for the past kind of four or five years I've been I've been back in Edinburgh and um, and and making theatre um, I tend to describe my work as being eco-feminist um, because I have a kind of commitment to um, female-led and driven narratives um, and also um, an emphasis on the environment in my work whether that's a kind of um, an environmental activist narrative itself um, or whether it's you know uh, as with my upcoming show for the fringe she-wolf um, there's an emphasis on animals or ecological relationships or that sort of thing so eco-feminist is just kind of a word that kind of encapsulates uh, all of that I feel I um, love that <laughs> it's very cool yeah yeah I think I mean like the kind of um the kind of roots of, of a kind of eco-feminist belief is the idea that patriarchal society and the same kind of oppression that's enacted on women is also enacted on nature and animals and the environment so it's kind of looking at how the kind of patriarchal structures in which we live kind of uh, replicate the same um, kind of um, oppression uh, on on women and nature. Um, Mm, I love that that's and it's so true like actually when you zoom out you're like yeah that's like capitalism and the patriarchy they're, they're the same thing and it's 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 hurting us all yes. and um, yeah. I think that's always a fascinating conversation when because I think we still enc- I certainly still encounter people who think the word feminism or feminist is a dirty word and they're like you know they, they conjures up images of, of something that they perceive to be difficult or, or um, obnoxious or getting in the way of just everybody getting on with their lives and it's like like it's a principle of equality and a principle of 
understanding that there is one driving force behind, uh, uh, behind keeping us all down and it's capitalist mm. patriarchy so yes. you know yeah. i want eco-feminist on a t-shirt have you got any merch <laughs> no but i will do that's a good idea <laughs> that's yeah. a good idea yeah. i love that so has that always been part of your work or did you kind of come to that um over time um like how was the journey um, from like sort of what you were studying in cambridge to uh, move to playwriting how was that journey yeah so i think it did come from my academic interest actually in in um writing about theater and writing about like environmental themes in theater and i've just um always like kind of nature writing and that sort of thing um and so it kind of came out of that interest and then when i was um doing my masters and sort of since then i've just found that i'm always kind of drawn to those stories it's kind of not not been um a kind of necessarily a purposeful uh agenda from the beginning it's something that kind of happened quite organically and then, mm. and then my kind of own consciousness and um, I kind of raised awareness to it then made me think ah, actually this is a kind of more um uh, more concrete commitment that I'd like to make with my work so very cool um and what you've you've got you've done quite a few uh, pieces over time haven't you because she wolf is that that's this is not your first rodeo right you've you've had your work produced before correct <laughs> Yes, um, most most recently was at a play, A Pie and a Pint, um, at the Orin Moor in Glasgow uh, at the start of June. Um, yeah, I just had a play on there uh, that was called All Right Sunshine, um, and that was uh, set in the Edinburgh Meadows um, and sort of following a, a, a mass brawl that happened on a sunny day. And that was kind of inspired by by real life events from, from <laughs> last year. Um, right, and, yeah. um, and the kind of lead character of that was a, a female police officer and it was looking at the kind of um the politics of public space and also um gender uh, power dynamics uh, as well very cool that had the brilliant hannah Jarrett scott in it didn't it yes it did yeah she was absolutely fantastic yeah she's phenomenal we've had hannah on the podcast as well um and i just saw her last night in underwood lane um at the tron she's just an incredible performer um uh, so that must have been a lot of fun. Um, I missed that though. I remember seeing the discussion about it on Twitter, but I haven't been, I just keep missing all the good stuff at Playpint for a variety of really annoying reasons. Um, but I remember uh, people chatting about your, about All Right Sunshine on, on the Twitters and stuff. And it seemed to get a fabulous reaction. It seemed like everybody loved it. Yes, yeah, it was, it was really brilliant. I mean, I've, I've had, um, I've had a few sort of small commissions to write for youth theatres and community groups and that sort of thing and I've I've self-produced uh, quite a bit of my own work as well um, but that was my first kind of um, real kind of commission production um, to have and it's been a really great kind of launch pad in that in that sense as well um, and yeah and we got a really really lovely review actually in the in the Scotsman from Joyce Macmillan that, that called the piece a kind of a hard-hitting piece of feminist theatre um, which has been which it was interesting you talking <laughs> about you know feminism or feminists becoming a kind of a slightly dirty word or, or putting people off we've um we were looking at that quote to put as part of the kind of marketing for She-Wolf, my, my upcoming Fringe show, um, and there was a question um, someone raised of, oh, it might put some people off coming to see it, that kind of fe feminist in bold, you know, on, on, the, on the poster or the flyer, um, which was something I hadn't, hadn't considered, but it's safe to say we have put it on the flyer. <laughs> and it's, it and it's, it's very resolutely a feminist piece. Um, but um, yeah, it's, it's, it was interesting just even kind of having that conversation and thinking, oh, wow, there are people that would be like, oh, 
No, yeah, that's... it's kind of crazy, yeah. isn't it? It's the assumption that feminism, I think it's the assumption that feminism, like having that word on your poster, the worry being it would put people off. So my interpretation of that would be like, okay, so they think it's either going to be tedious or preachy or or something, some form of experience that they, they don't want to have, which just seems so, it's depressing because it, mm. it's, it, it's so joyous. Like it could be so much fun and so joyous. And yeah. I mean, to me, it's, to me, it's a, a really empowering word. Like, like I see shows that are advertised as feminist theater and I'm like, yes, I'm going to that. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know. You're pretty sure you're going to have a good time. I feel like I think that's yes. the the thing. It's a an act of a, an act of rebellion, and rebellion by its very nature is quite fun. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, you know, um, so I don't know. Hopefully, at some point over the course of history, as it as it unfolds before us, uh, this will change. But you'd think in 2022, <laughs> yeah, you'd you'd hope and you think, but uh, here we are at the. Um, at the beginning of the end of the world. <laughs> Not to take it into a dark place on this, yeah. <laughs> on this sunny Friday afternoon. Um, but uh, let's talk about the show, actually, because, you know, we want to want to really get into that. And uh, I'm really fascinated about how you made it, um, your process for it. It sounds fantastic. So, uh, for, well, first of all, tell, let's talk about the show, what it's about and what people can expect if they are coming to see it. And then we can chat about how you made it. Yeah, so um, She-Wolf is about uh, a woman uh, called Maggie, um, who's uh, grown up in a kind of uh, low-income, insecure background, and um, she decides at a very young age that she wants it all. Um, she sees other people at school um, and around town who have, you know, the um, fancy clothes and cars and go on lavish holidays and that sort of thing, and she decides that's what she wants in life. Um, and she's kind of lured in by these kind of materialistic uh, kind of um, symbols of success. And she she then kind of lives her life and is in her kind of mid to late 20s and has achieved these things. She's got, you know, um, the, the high power job. She's got the perfect boyfriend, the luxury flats, uh, fancy car and, and so on. Um, but slowly, one by one, she starts to lose these things. Um, and unlike a lot of her colleagues and peers in the circles she's now running in, she doesn't have a safety net um, because of her background, because she doesn't have that kind of um, support, uh, financial support backing her. Um, and, and so she starts to find her own ways of fighting back and trying to claw back the things that she, that she once had. Um, and this kind of enacts uh, a becoming wolf, um, as it were. <laughs> Um, and um, and so the, the play in that sense, it kind of follows Maggie's story and we meet her kind of at the end as she's retelling her story. Um, and so the play is actually set in the zoo and um, she's sitting in front of the wolf enclosure and telling her story to the wolves. And, um, and so in that sense, it, it kind of plays with the solo show format in terms of uh, Kind of playing with that that observer observed who's the who's being watched who's watching um that human and animal dynamic as well um so there's a kind of animal element that's about these kind of human animal relationships um, and there's also a questioning of um basically kind of capitalist structures um in the sense that the the play questions capitalist competition and survival of the fittest 
mentalities that kind of govern how we live in Western capitalist society um, and sort of looks at kind of animal society parallels and sort of questions how, um, how civilized we think we are and we actually are <laughs> um, and whether there are actually, whether being animal is possibly more humane than, than being human in, in many ways. Um, Ift. Ift. <laughs> I love it. That was just kind of a splurge and ramble of the, of the no. kind of main points. <laughs> it was beautiful. It was very concisely put and uh, it's, it's great. Uh, it got me really excited to see it. It's, um, there's just something really primal and, and uh, attractive about what you're describing, like the things it touches on. And uh, there's sort of a, a common thread in mythology and stuff like that with women and animals and transformation and all of that kind of return to nature, running with wolves kind of vibe. And yeah, it's uh, it sounds fascinating. So how did you come, where did the idea come from? And how did you sort of, has it been in the works for a while or is it something that came to you quite recently or? Yeah, so I think my idea for the show first came from my interest in the she-wolf myth. Um, which is this ancient Roman myth um, about a creature that raises the twins Romulus and Remus, uh, who then grow up to kind of battle it out. And Romulus ends up going on to found the city of Rome, uh, which was a kind of symbol of Western civilization. And I think that I was really interested in that way that the she-wolf is both this kind of um, the symbol of civilization, of the city, um, of capitalism, uh, and also this kind of um, primal kind of woman-wolf uh, hybrid, um, which felt really kind of um, full of potential in terms of those like tensions that are alive within the she-wolf figure. And that's really what I want the play to capture, looking at these kind of, um, kind of uh, binaries between human and animal between city and wilderness and kind of looking at where those start to intersect where those lines start to blur and dramatizing that so I was really interested in this in this myth and I had the title and I knew that that was the play um, and then I also started to do more research around wolves around wolf behavior uh, so looking at the kind of um, the social dynamics of wolf groups of wolf packs um, and comparing that to the kind of popular notions that we have of wolves as well. So I was looking at those kind of social categorizations and those stereotypes that we project onto animals. Um, and then with, with those kind of two elements in place, um, I was thinking about um, survival of the fittest, uh, both from the kind of the animal kingdom, but also in capitalist society in the way that we're kind of always in, in competition for opportunities. Um, and and for livelihood really and so that's when Maggie's story started to fall into place and um, with all of these kind of elements intact. It was um, selected for the Assembly Art Award in 2020 and that was kind of uh -huh. January 2020 it was like you know given the go-ahead for the fringe and um, at that point I think I had half a script or a kind of rough full draft and it was that stage where it got to March and I was, I needed to have a blurb ready for the fringe program <laughs> and an image and this, that and the other. And I hadn't finished writing the play. And then obviously first of April came and we all got that email being like, 
Fringe is cancelled. So it's kind of been two years in, in the wait now, um, which in, in lots of ways has been very good for the play because it means that I've had time away from it and time to come back to it and rewrite and rework. She's so nasty. The image is very cool, by the way. It's... Uh... Yes, that is the, the point. That it's the, very cool. <laughs> yeah, we, I have to pretend it's not my face to like it. But once <laughs> once I get past the fact that it's me, I do think it's absolutely stunning. I think um, Mihaela Bodlovich is just a, an absolute miracle. Um, and yeah, it's a fantastic piece of work. Yeah, really, really. It, it's really evocative. Um, I love it, I think. And it's, you know, I have been thinking about... Uh, fringe stuff you know we're coming back to it now it's been it's been a couple of difficult years and the fringe is kind of arriving you know guns blazing again <laughs> and um just thinking about all of the advice that you get you get given over the years and how strong image is is always there it's always up there it's key and that is it's good real good <laughs> it, would, it would make me want to see it if i opened the fringe program and i saw that image it's very very cool um, this might feel like a stupid question because I maybe haven't picked it up. You, you're performing in it, aren't you? You're the one performing it, is that right? Yes, I am. Yes. Yeah. Um, which will be, um, I've not performed in quite a while, kind of given pandemic and that sort of thing. So I'm really, really excited, very nervous about it. Um, it's, uh, it, it's something I, I really love. I, I'm not, you know, um, I've, I've been pursuing playwriting predominantly for the last couple of years. Um, but still doing bits of performance and bits of directing. Um, and with this with this play, I felt um, I felt I needed to perform it myself. I think some things you write for you <laughs> and, yeah. and and it feels very close to me um, and um, and yeah, and, and it was just one of those passion ones where I was like, no, I want to perform this perform this myself. It's very difficult having just written a monologue play that Hannah Jarrett Scott has performed. <laughs> to kind of follow that is is you know a huge a huge task because um, she was so wonderful. But these are two very different monologue plays, and um, mm -hmm. what we kind of do with the audience and 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 then their subject matter as well. And um, so hopefully it's kind of in a different world from that. Um, and yeah, and I'm excited to be performing again. Yeah, that's so exciting. At the Fringe, you're doing the whole run, aren't you? You're doing the whole run? Yes, yes. It will be my, I, I did a, a solo show um, in 2015, but that was only for a week. So this will be the first time that I'm performing the, the full thing. Um, my plan had been that in July, I was going to get like really fit because I thought, you know, the stamina that I'm going to need for a whole month, I was like, I'm going to go running every day, all this kind of thing. Then I got COVID and, and I basically laid in bed for most of July. So I'm not going to be quite at the, the peak of my fitness level that I had hoped in my kind of <laughs> preparation for the fringe. But I think I, I'm taking lots of vitamins. So I think it's going to be grand. You'll be good. You'll be all good. I think rest is probably also good, like a little bit of rest and recuperation. Yeah in the month yeah. of July that's that that counts that absolutely counts and then you know you'll be marching up and down the mile every day probably <laughs> like, <laughs> are you going to be out flying are you going to do the whole traditional come see my show bit yes yes I think so I think so I'll be doing some of that so there um, you go you'll get your steps in you'll be fine <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> and uh, who's directing it or, or do you have a director or are you just is it a completely solo endeavor yeah, it's been directed by Joanna Bowman, um, who is wonderful, who also worked on All Right Sunshine with me at A Play of Pine, A Pint, and 
um, who's been on board since the, the beginning as, as well. So uh, she's been on this kind of two year roller coaster ride uh, with She Wolf as well. Um, Joanna and I have known each other for quite a few years now and um, have always been talking about doing something together. So this was our first kind of opportunity to, to work on something together back when it kind of came up in 2020. Um, very cool. Um, I'm curious to know, actually, given the given some of the themes, uh, particularly the capitalist theme, um, and and things to do with nature. Did the intervening time between um, when you first sort of started developing the idea in 2020 to now has there been any kind of like influence basically around how what we've learned about ourselves as society over the, the last two difficult years? Has, has that found its way into the show? Do you think? Yeah, I think so. I think it is a really difficult thing. Lots of kind of delayed shows dealing with that kind of inter interim period and, and being kind of inter-pandemic inter plays now and, and what that kind of reflection uh, does. Um, I think I think in some ways there has been some senses in which this kind of critique of, of quite individualistic um, desires within within the capitalist system has, has kind of been encountered by, by kind of acts of of care and solidarity that we've seen um, and particularly in, in kind of um, political and protest action that have happened in the intervening years um, on various different levels and, and issues. Um, but also there's an extent to which it has kind of consolidated and confirmed a lot of the kind of individualistic competitive behaviours that, um, that She Wolf kind of looks to explore. Um, in terms of, of in terms of kind of how we've dealt with the pandemic uh, predominantly, um, mm. it's been quite a. Um, I think it has been quite a kind of uh, kind of selfish attitude um, from from the kind of um, a lot of what I've seen from the general public and also from the policy makers and advisors as as well. And um, it doesn't yeah. seem to be caring for 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 everyone for the vulnerable. Uh, and so on it's been quite a kind of well I don't want to wear a mask so I'm not going to rather than mm -hmm. um actually there might be people in this room who need me to wear a mask for, for their own health or for the health of people they're close to and and that sort of thing um, and yeah. so I think, I think it's had a bit of both um you know um, yeah it sounds like it's probably going to be even more prescient than it would have been to begin with actually yeah, like landing yeah. in 2022 it's going to be hyper relevant um, and perhaps a way it would have been relevant before, but just very acute. Um, yeah. In 2020. Yeah. And, and in particular, I mean, there was there was one story that feels quite resonant to, to She-Wolf in particular um, was um, I had read about um, these people um, in Canada. I can't quite remember where in Canada it was, um, but they would during the lockdown, um, there was a kind of group of people who would go out and howl every night at oh. each other. And it was a kind of sense of, um, of saying, we're all in isolation, we're all alone, but we're alone together. Mm. And they were howling, howling kind of back and forth across the, across the land. And I, I thought that that was, um, I thought that was just a lovely, lovely idea and really, really kind of speaks to um, what what my play explores as well, and kind of both in terms of those kind of like human animal binaries, um, but also in terms of what it means to be together, what it means mm -hmm. to be apart and together, and an individual and a collective, and and those kind of ideas. Um, so that's that's something that definitely has been a little kind of gem from the last yeah. couple of years. I kind of got chills actually when you described that. There's just something about 
it just touches something really primal in me this whole concept and, and howling at the moon and it's just like there's something yeah it feels it feels right it feels like that's where we're probably supposed to be because I feel like capitalism is the patriarchy's patriarchy's dirtiest trick like it and they've perfected it it's it's because I feel like one of the things I noticed during the course of um the very troubled two years we've been through and you touched on it just there is that it felt like protecting capitalism as a system was the priority and it wasn't worded like that exactly but it was like how do we get back open and get businesses back open and back into the shops and it's like so basically you just want us back spending money and under the thumb of this system that keeps the people who designed it at the very top um so yeah this individualism that we've, we've been brainwashed into thinking is the right approach is actually killing us it's destroying us the individual can't survive yeah yeah i mean i mean that kind of um i was particularly enraged at the uh eat out to help out uh, mm. not because i didn't want to support local restaurant businesses and cafes but just because i did not feel it was our responsibilities individual responsibilities to put our health at risk to go to restaurants to support businesses um when they should have been kind of uh, supported by uh, the government and by kind of you know schemes and that sort of thing so um so yeah I, I totally totally agree with what you're saying um yeah I think it has been it has been a protection of capitalism at all costs and mm -hmm. um, you know and, and also um and particularly when you know think about airlines and opening up and it was all kind of driven by by kind of um like holidays and and numbers and 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 money it's all driven by money oh absolutely <laughs> so, like I think it's that all roads lead back um all yeah. roads lead back to the rotten core of capitalism and patriarchy or the capitalist patriarchy one thing um mm -hmm. and what you scratch the surface of any societal issue that, that that's where it's rooted um and it's so you know to come back to the point about people thinking feminism is tedious or having a certain perception of it I, you know with that that's comes in the same falls into the same category as all the division and infighting we have over other issues at the moment it's the the gender ideology debate and i'm doing air quotes around the word debate mm -hmm. so that's causing hellish division and it's all just distractionary tactics really from the fact that we are still dying under a capitalist system yeah absolutely. oh gosh friday sunny friday philosophy <laughs> social politics with Isla and Louise on the persistent yeah. <laughs> <laughs> quick tell a joke Isla tell a joke <sighs> oh god um yeah it's grim I'm just having a moment I think I had a bit of a moment of existential crisis there <laughs> I'm sorry I'm sorry <laughs> oh I shook myself up I okay. fell into I fell into oh, that hole myself oh god but this is why we need people like you to make shows about it and yeah. create this kind of work um, because I this is going to sound like such a wanky thing to say but I think our capacity as humans for storytelling and our desire to tell stories is the thing that ultimately may save us in some way shape or form because stories are the vehicle for change in so many ways because um, they create empathy um, and I think yeah I think that's definitely something that I'm aiming for in, in She-Wolf in terms of giving the audience that role as well in that kind of, I said it was set at the zoo and the audience are cast as wolves in this enclosure that Maggie's speaking to and there's a kind of, not necessarily a breaking but like a bending of the fourth wall because it's not talking 
to the audience, is talking to the audience as wolves. wolves. Um, It does give them that kind of both a responsibility and a potential because because they are both kind of hopefully the audience is both aware of themselves as humans as part of the system that the play is kind of exploring and critiquing and but also as wolves that they have this other potential and that the play sort of slowly starts to to unpick um but yeah I think I think absolutely I think that that stories and theatre and that kind of the impetus and urgency of theatre as a as this kind of storytelling form um hopefully can change minds and changing minds can lead to changing actions actual change (laughs) actual change actual change yeah yeah 100 we talk about that a lot as i'm sure you as as i'm sure you know if you listen to the podcast um Mm -hmm. the idea that when we accurately reflect the world that we live in back at people through the stories they consume that is a way to start a bit of deep programming um uh, that has been embedded by um hundreds of years of living under this this the shitty system that um is the capitalist patriarchy um but uh i have a question about maggie how much of maggie is isla and isla is maggie yeah that's a really good question i think in the first few drafts maggie was isla (laughs) (laughs) um but i think i think what what i've discovered now is that Maggie actually has a very separate politics to mine, although um, her kind of journey through life in some ways echoes echoes my own in terms of um, her kind of uh, upbringing and background and then kind of what, what she kind of goes on to do um, kind of feels similar to that uh, that journey I was talking about from, from my home life and then going to Cambridge and being in this kind of very different world, different circles, uh, and 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 that's that kind of is the same journey that Maggie makes in a very different kind of context. Um, however, her politics are completely different to mine, mm. um, and that's what that kind of that that deeper character exploration has has kind of revealed in these extra years that I've been granted to kind of work on the play. Um, despite the kind of the pandemic being awful, um, it's given the time to kind of delve into delve into the character more, um, and she is definitely um quite uh right wing um to an extent and she is um she is an individualist um and um her name being maggie there's that kind of potential maggie thatcher kind of echo as as well being brought into that um because she believes that um because she had done well for herself that everyone can that no one needs help that um that we should all be standing on our own two feet and fighting for we, for what we want in life, and and I think there's an acknowledgement from Maggie that the system is unfair, but she's very much well. That's the way it is. So fight for what you want, and you know don't worry about it. Is her kind of attitude, um, and that is that is how she how she starts the play. So um, so it is completely different from 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 where I stand on 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 these kind of issues. Um, <laughs> Um, and hopefully the play kind of slightly kind of dismantles some of Maggie's ideas as, as the play goes on. And um, I, I'm just going to ask this question because it popped into my head. How much of that did you find in your time at Cambridge? Was there a little bit of like direct experience of that kind of attitude uh, when studying there? Or is that an unfair question? Is that an unfair question about Cambridge? Because I think it's just very... the the um the conversation around 
where you go to school and the kind and 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 kind of certain levels of privilege and 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 types of status or it's very live and the sort of political yes. conversation right now. so that was i'm just asking the mischievous question because i'm curious no i think i think that's very true and i think that i think things are changing at cambridge and especially since i've left i think there have have been kind of uh, movements forward I, I would say but I do remember my my first day uh, matriculation day and um you know trying to make friends and that sort of thing and the first thing people kept asking me was what school did you go to and I was like well state school in Scotland you won't have heard of like you yeah. know I, I was just I was just totally shocked that people would even ask that because I was like well we're we're all from all over so you know yeah no one's gonna know but then obviously there were the kind of names of of uh, um, schools that kind of repeatedly then came up um, and that sort of thing um, and I think I mean it's not a inverse snobbery thing by any means because I've made lots of lifelong friends uh, from the university as well. Mm, of course. Um, What I would like to ask you about is um, fringe stuff. So you're cu you're coming up on the fringe. Have you gone into rehearsals yet? Are you uh, well? You you're not you're kind of in isolation, I suppose, at the moment. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We've actually had a sort of um, strange rehearsal process, kind of fitting around um, availability um, from myself and the director and the, the rest of the creative team. Um, we had a week in May, a week in June. And we've got a week coming up uh, in July as well. So we've had our kind of three week rehearsal period kind of split up and, and spread out. Um, so we've got one more week of kind of hardcore rehearsals and then, and then yeah, it's so exciting. <laughs> yeah. And what are you looking forward to the most about it? Because presumably having been, being from Edinburgh and living in Edinburgh, you're a bit of a fringe old hat, really, in many ways, as a, as a punter and, and as a performer slash writer. So what are you looking forward to? Uh, what am I looking forward to? Well, I'm looking forward to some of the street food. Uh, <laughs> that is always good. And it's quite good because I think they've set up uh, this week um, some of the um, kind of um, Assembly George Square and, and a couple of other places have kind of set up ready for the Fringe and for the Jazz Festival. Um, so I'm going to get in there quick before they have really long queues uh, <laughs> during <laughs> August. Um, no, and I'm excited. I'm excited to see lots of the other work that's on. Um, obviously, it's always a kind of benefit of, of being part of a show and getting a venue pass. So everything that's on it at my venue, I'll be able to kind of see um, for for free. Um, and also lots of the other shows. And there's a lot of um, uh, Scottish work going on as well, which mm. is brilliant. Obviously, um, Made in Scotland Showcase um, and other shows um, that are part of the Art Award, um, which is uh, the the kind of scheme that's supporting She Wolf, and um, there's also Sound Castles and Silkworm, yeah, mm -hmm. really fantastic, um, and uh, another kind of award-winning show, um, Svengali uh, by Eve Nicholl. Eve Nicholl, yeah, presence uh, version of the kind of award that I'm on at Assembly. So, um, and we worked together actually, me and Eve earlier this year, um, so we've been kind of keeping in touch with <laughs> with how it's all going, um, particularly as we're both kind of basically self-producing. So there's all the kind of admin in in the lead up, um, yeah. And I'm also just, I'm also really excited just to be kind of immersed in that fringe theatre world again. I think it's mm. been it's felt like a really long time. I know there were uh, events on last year, but it was kind of at a reduced capacity. Yeah, it um, felt very weird. <laughs> yes. Very strange. 
Yeah, yeah. So I'm just, I've not actually, I've not booked any shows myself yet, but that is my treat for this weekend. I'm gonna start booking things. Um, and um, and yeah, and just to really throw myself into it, I think after, especially after a couple of years of being quite cautious and, and going back to things slowly, I'm kind of ready to just go and see, see lots and just kind of soak it all in. <laughs> no, me too. I am really excited. I've already started my my show schedule and it's it's a beautifully nerdy spreadsheet with colour coding and <laughs> sections and columns and like my tab for things that have been booked, my tab for things that I want to see but haven't booked yet. It's a delight. It's an admin delight. That's what I need to do. That's what I need to do. <laughs> um, it is exciting. I have to say it. Like, I, I'm fully aware of the various like problematic elements of the festival and that it is this insanely unwieldy beast but a total part of me just also loves that about it I just think that there's something really beautiful about the chaos and there's no point in denying that capitalism lives very much and like it, it, it sits within the festival too but there's just something about the the, the sheer volume of shows and the the immersive like not sure what you're going to see if you're going to see something incredible that will change your life um it's just yeah I'm really looking forward to it yeah I think so I think being a an Edinburgh local myself as well I've always got that slight kind of begrudgingness about the about the fringe about kind of <laughs> taking over the city and you know my bus that usually takes you know 20 minutes is now taking like an hour and 40 or you know <laughs> all those ridiculous things but I think um deep down in my in my heart I do I do love the kind of the buzz of it and and the kind of the opportunity just to see such a variety of things in 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 an afternoon <laughs> it's yeah, just incredible um and I mean I do think you know without the art award there is no way that I would have been able to afford to take work um so I'm really kind of using this as a as an opportunity um so it's it's, yeah, I'm kind of just, you know, um, launching myself into it in, in that respect. Um, and I think there, yeah, there's definitely so much room for improvement with the fringe, but there is, um, there's something great about it, the scale of it in, in, in many ways, you know, in uh, um, yeah. it being right here for us <laughs> and um, oh. incredible. It's, I, I realised I was coming from a place of extreme Glaswegian privilege actually there when I was talking about how excited I am for it because like I don't have to live in the city <laughs> in which it takes place. Um, so yeah, if I, I and, and you know, I say this now with my rose-coloured specs on because, you know, I've produced at the Fringe for many, many years and, and performed at it and also attended as a punter obviously and, you know, particularly when you're in it and you're working it, you get to that sort of halfway point, you're like, I need this to be over like <laughs> yeah yeah I think I've done the fringe four or five times now a mixture of writing and performing um, and performing my own work as well and um and every year I get to the end and I go I'm never doing this again yep. I'm never doing this again this is I'm never doing it again and then it gets to like December or January and I'm like I should do the fringe this year <laughs> um and it's, it's amazing how quickly we forget the pain <laughs> oh 100 the fringe and uh, th this is gonna sound crazy but stay with me the fringe does something to us i think hormonally the same thing that happens to people when they're pregnant it's like if you go through that the hell of that and then you go i'm never doing that again but then the hormone kicks in and makes you think no actually that was lovely let's do that again. <laughs> it was a um yeah it's crazy but I you know I am looking forward to it it's it's going to be exciting to see 
the festival back up to full speed as much as like I say that with the understanding and the caveat that there's like you say plenty of room for improvement on certain aspects but um yeah and it's also just it's a weird point of pride for me as well just by just the simple act of saying if you say to someone where do you think the biggest and best and most international arts festival takes place people might expect you to say oh, well it must be London or New York or LA or something like that like no it's Scotland <laughs> and yeah. I've got a wee bit of a point of pride around that I think that's kind definitely, of definitely and I think as a as a like Scottish based um theatre maker it's it's an amazing opportunity if you can get something on in the fringe because because of that kind of audience reach that's kind of out with my usual reach as a maker most of my work to date has been in Scotland for Scottish audiences and so to be having an international audience coming to see my work potentially is 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 really exciting yeah it really is it is um it is a, an exciting thing and it's a uh, uh, it's going to be a good one, I think. Um, so have you got any top tips for people doing the festival? If anyone's doing it, who's listening, who's maybe doing it for the first time or coming to the first time, have you got any? As an Edinburgh native, what are your top tips? <laughs> um, ooh. Find a quiet spot on the meadows for a break, at least once a day. <laughs> Go and sit, hopefully in the sun, maybe in the rain. Um, and Probably just, in the rain. Uh, yeah, have a chill. <laughs> Um, and I think don't don't feel like you need to be doing everything all the time. That's well. a very good one. That it's, is a very good one. Yeah, it's it's a marathon, not a sprint. Um, Correct. Correct, ma'am. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, try and, and try and eat a vegetable. That's always like I'm like always kind of like try and eat a vegetable. Stay hydrated. Yes. Don't, don't exist solely on van food if you can <laughs> yes although it is delicious it is yeah. delicious <laughs> yeah no denying well, that but yeah just get get a bit of broccoli in you every now and again just to yeah. stay the distance <laughs> um amazing well isla it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you this afternoon um i'm going to ask my final question and so I, oh no it's been really thank you for your time and especially if you've been feeling poorly and you know we are in the middle of july so you've got probably quite a bit of work on your plate as you head into August so uh, yeah it's lovely for you to take an hour out of your time to chat with me today um, and I do have one final question and I think you might know what it is if you listen to the podcast yes. so I'll try yeah I'll try to keep it concise contextualize it quickly for any new listeners out there our name is persistent and nasty that came off the back of a couple of cultural moments involving Elizabeth Warren um, and the nevertheless she persisted moment uh, combined with the nasty woman thing and persistent and nasty came about as a reclamation of those words slightly tongue-in-cheek so you know what I'm going to ask Isla so I'm just going to ask it what does persistent and nasty mean to you? Uh, persistent and nasty uh, to me that means taking up space and not apologizing for it um, and it's about um, resilience and identity and taking a stand and and taking that space. I think I think there's a kind of a pressure, um, particularly on women, to be uh, to be small and to be unseen and to be grateful uh, for for what comes their way instead of uh, sort of taking it in their stride and taking up that space. Um, so I think that's what persistent and nasty uh, means to me. Yeah. <laughs> Gorgeous. That's brilliant. Thank you. Um... And now the key question, of course, which we haven't covered, is the details. Where can people see the show and well, what time? 
How do they get tickets? Give us the key details of She-Wolf. Yes, so uh, She-Wolf is on uh, every day of the festival, apart from uh, the 15th and the 22nd. It's on at Assembly Roxy downstairs. It's venue 139 in the programme. And um, it's on at 13.50, uh, that's 10 to 2 uh, in the afternoon. Um, and you can get tickets either via the Assembly website or the Ed Fringe website or at the Edmund uh, shop as well, which I'm presuming is back up and running uh, on the Royal Mile. I think, it, I think it will be, yeah. I think you can actually go old school and go into an actual box office on the mile and purchase a ticket yeah, from a human. <laughs> yeah. who, who knew? How novel. Um, fabulous. And where can people find you if they want to find out more about your work and what you're up to? Are you on the social medias? Tell the people how they can follow you. Yes, yeah. Um, the best way is uh, Twitter. That's where I'm most active. Um, you don't really want to go onto my Instagram. It's not very exciting. Um, <laughs> so my, my Twitter is um, at Isla Cowan, and it's all small case and all one word. Um, and for anything to do with the uh, with the show for for She Wolf, it's at She Wolf Show, uh, and that's both on Twitter and on Instagram. Fabulous. Excellent. Well, that's all great. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing the show myself. I, I think I'm booked now. I am coming. I can't remember when, yes. but I am coming. <laughs> um, very excited to see it. Um, hopefully I will have Elaine with me. Um, Elaine, who is in Toronto right now, for anyone listening who misses her, because she is the superior host, so I understand if you miss her. Uh, but she's in Toronto right now, <laughs> and she'll be back soon. Um, so and again you might know this we're going to do our little bit together isla if you've listened to the podcast before our little button for sign off elaine and i never get this right but hopefully you and i will okay, um, okay yeah so until next time listeners we invite you to stay nasty, stay nasty. i'm so sorry that was beautifully done it was beautifully done <laughs>